Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. The New Hebraic Year of 5782 began on Monday, September the 6th, and it ran through that Wednesday, September the 8th. Now for you and I, this is the fiscal year 2021-2022. But as I mentioned on the Hebraic calendar, it is the year 5782. As I've taught you many times, the Jews believe God's calendar is revelatory to help us focus on the possibilities that are contained in the seasons of our lives. Genesis chapter one, verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years to mark them. So each year we ask the question, what mark has God placed on this year of 5782 on the Hebraic calendar, 2022 on the Gregorian calendar? We always pause and try to understand the numbers because in Hebrew numbers, there are also letters. And so in the number 5782, there are a set of letters. You know that the number 5700 is the millennium, and it means may it be the year of. The number 80, or the decade of 80 that we're in now, is a Hebrew letter pay, and it speaks of the mouth, it speaks of sound, voice. The number two, or the year two, is the Hebrew letter bet. Bet is a picture of a tent, meaning house. It can also be translated as household or inside. If you look at the letter, it looks like a Bedouin tent. You see it there. It looks like the tent that they used during the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when you look at the numbers 5,700, 80, and 2, it translates out, may it be the year of the sound of the house. May it be the year, millennium, decade, sound, to house. May it be the year of the sound of the house. That's why we, we title this Hebraic year 5782 bet. May it be the sound of the house part two. Now in part one, we went through that very quickly and we talked about number one, homesick for God's house. And we made a declaration that this coming year, considering 2020 and 2021 and how church attendance in America has declined, we made the declaration that Holy Spirit will cause men and women to become homesick for the Father's house. That's the only way I know how to get them back. Programs aren't going to do it. It's going to take that homesick feeling where people rise up and say, as the prodigal son did, I'm going to go back to my Father's house homesick, homesick for God's presence, homesick for God's family. Number two, we talked about David's, or excuse me, God's favorite house, God's favorite house. It wasn't the originality of Moses's tabernacle or the splendor of Solomon's temple, but it was David's dilapidated tent. The Bible says, I will, I will restore the fallen down tent of David. David understood who God was. The Bible says he was a man after God's heart. He was a man that was committed to abandoned, uninhibited worship. And God said, I don't need the originality of Moses' tabernacle. I don't need the splendor of Solomon's temple. I want that, ab that abandonment, that uninhibited worship of David, that little 
dilapidated brush harbor that David put up for 36 years with 24-7 worship. God said, that's my favorite house. Number three, we spoke of building a house of possibilities. That the church, the household of faith, should be a place where dreams come true. Where the church specializes in making possible the impossible. Number four, we spoke about God returns to the house. And we said, it's time for Beaumont to know that God has come home. It's time for us to make an announcement, God's in the house. We've moved from visitation to habitation. God's presence is here. Beaumont needs to know, America needs to know that the Father has come home. We've been talking about the house, the Father's house. And we declared that the scripture for 222, 2022 is Acts 222, where he said, Peter continued, people of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus, the victorious, was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven for you know how God performed many powerful miracles, signs, and wonders through, through him. Only two places that I can find in the New Testament where those three words are all used in the same verse, and this is one of the two. Miracles, signs, and wonders. And we declared in part one that I believe this coming year is the year for the sights, the smells, and the sounds of home. Homesick. I want to get back to the sights, the sounds, and the smells of home. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Where I come into a service and I go, man, this smells like home. Man, this looks like home. Man, this feels like home sounds like home. I hear the sounds of the house because there's something about going home. There's something about being home and the sights, the smells, and the sounds. Today's scripture, our text is taken out of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 where the apostle Paul said, therefore as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Say household of faith. I want you to see that, the household of faith. The word household here in the Greek, it means belonging, related, kindred, devoted. Belonging to the household of God, adherence to something, belonging to something. Dr. Michael Brown, who was a part of the Brownsville Revival, who oversaw the Brownsville Re Re Revival School of Ministry, put out an article in December, on December the 30th, 2019, and he titled it, 2020, a year of chaos, a year of clarity. How, per, how prophetic he was in that, that month of December. He made this statement, the year 2020 will be the most chaotic, divided year in our nation's history. Wow, think of that. And that brings me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has come for judgment, a decision to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what shall be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? It is time for decisions to be made in the house. So to heal our nation, to heal our nation that's coming out of the chaos of 2020 and 2021, to heal our nation, perhaps we must first heal the church, just perhaps. And that's why we've come today, to speak to our house, to speak to our region and to those that are watching online around the world. In the book of Leviticus chapter 14, verses 33 through 53, and I'm only going to pull out just a few to conserve time. It, it deals with the story 
or the law concerning leprous house, if there's leprosy in a house, okay? Let me just read a few verses to you. Leviticus 14, 33. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house and the land of your possession, and he who owns the house comes and tells the priest saying, it seems to me that there's some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may not be made unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in to examine the house. Skipping down to verse 52. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird, the running water, and the living bird, with the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet. Then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city in the open field and make atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. The first thing I want you to see in this is what are our walls saying? Walls begin to talk. In every house that's represented here today and those watching online, every house has things that are said and done within the walls, experiences, living, life. How many times have we said, if only these walls could talk? So what would our walls say in our churches across America if they could talk? It said here in this text, and I, I put the plague of leprosy in the house. God said, I will do it. You have to understand that this was an act of mercy. Whenever the leprosy came into the house and you could read in the story how it could be a reddish or greenish streak, it would look like what we call black mold here in Southeast Texas. And when you get black mold in a home, you have to deal with it and deal with it quickly because it's dangerous. That black mold tells you that there's something going on behind the wall and you need to address it. The same thing here. God is actually being merciful to Israel. He said, when you come in to possess the land, I'll give you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. And when they move into these homes, God said, if there is something going on behind the wall, I'm going to show it to you. It's an act of mercy. You see, when God hides his face from Israel, that is either a, a act of mercy to get their attention, that there's something going on. It can be an act of judgment that says, look, I'm, I'm frustrated with you and you need to address this. It can be God just wanting to, 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 uh, to raise passion within their heart, to play hide and seek with them where they become hungry for him again. But this was an act of mercy. You see, it was a common practice for the inhabitants of Canaan to hide their false gods in the walls of their homes. And so the sign of leprosy was an act of mercy on God's part to expose the danger that lay within. Reddish streak, greenish streak, there's something behind that wall that you need to address. A false god that has to be removed. When we look back over the last two years, we have, to, we have to remember that everything is father filtered. Whether it's the pandemic, the storms, or the election, politics. Everything is father filtered. God may not cause it, but God does use it. God will use things to get our attention. When there's a reddish streak or a greenish streak, we have to pause and ask the question, what's wrong? And the, the last two years, 
The circumstances for me has revealed so much within our churches across America. And it demands that we pause for just a moment and ask the question, if our walls could talk, what would they say? What's behind the walls of our churches? What's going on in our houses of worship? What is it that's happened to us? What do we need to address? God allows these circumstances to to expose the weaknesses within our structure. He says there's something going on. He said, I put the plague of leprosy in the house to expose the weakness in your structure. And the last two years, there's been so much that's happened that it exposed the weakness within our structure that maybe we needed to pause and ask the question, are we doing church the way God wants us to do church? The second point in this text is home inspection. For it said, afterward, the priest shall go in and inspect the house. We know here in Southeast Texas that mold is a type of fungus that produces growth on various types of moist or decaying surfaces. It can often be identified by its color, which can range in blue, greens, blacks, and reds. Mold and mildew cause many problems for humans. In particular, they can escalate asthma, allergies, and mold can cause serious fatigue. Over the last decade, studies have shown that mold and mildew spores in the air they breathe are affecting an increasing number of people medically. Breathing in black mold is dangerous. When the presence of mold is suspected, a visual inspection by trained and certified mold remediation specialist is recommended. Based on the mold test results by indoor professionals, a cleanup and restoration plan must be carried out. You've got to deal with it, a home inspection. You've got to look at it. And that's where we are today in America. I believe personally that God is challenging the pulpits across America as the priest of old to pause for a moment and to do a home inspection. If our walls could talk, what would they say? We need to dig in behind the walls and make sure that there's nothing there. A false God, a false type of worship, a false religion, false theology. That we've, things that distract us and get us off focus. That we've got to get back to the basics and get back to there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby they must be saved. That we have to get back to the manifestations of Holy Spirit. That we have to get back to the sights, the smells, and the sounds of home. That we've got to get back to miracle signs and wonders. That we've got to get back to our roots, who we are, our legacy, our history, who we are as a church. That we have to dig into our walls and examine our structure and ask the question, have we gotten off target a home inspection we have to ask the question what is the condition of our homes the third point here in this leprous law is the purification process he said number one if you see something you got to deal with it number two you've got to purify the house number three you've got to know or you got to inspect the house and then number three excuse me you have to purify it you have to take it through a process He said two birds, symbolizing death and resurrection of Christ. Cedar wood, scarlet, yarn, and hyssop, symbolizing incorruptible blood and aroma of purification. We see Christ in all of this purification process. We see it in there. And in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 10, the prophet said, Our offenses and sins weigh us down. 
and we are wasting away because of them, how then can we live? Understand, please, here and on television, around the world, listening to us today, understand that offenses, division, and strife is weighing us down. And it's like black mold and breathing it in is killing the people of God. It's killing our churches. It's dividing our churches across the board. And we have to address this issue. We have to see the reddish streak, the greenish streak, the black mold in our houses. We have to do an inspection and ask the question, why is it there? And then we have to take it through a purification process. And we have to apply the blood and we have to cleanse our houses and we have to deal with our offenses. We have to deal with our, our, our differences, our division. We have to deal with the strife. We have to deal with these issues. You see, we are the household of faith as we read in Galatians chapter six, but we have to be careful that we don't become a household or a stronghold, a stronghold. Are we a household of faith or a stronghold of fear? Are we a household of unity or a stronghold of division? Are we a household of mercy or a stronghold of offense? The apostle Peter said judgment must begin with the house of God. If there is to be hope for the world, if there's to be hope for the world, we got to get our stuff together. If there's to be hope for America, we got to get it right in the house. We got to move from being a stronghold to being a household. We cannot be we cannot be just a, a social gathering, a religious institution, but we have to be the household of faith. We got to be family. We got to come together. We got to lay our side, our differences. We've got to come in here and we have to see the reddish and greenish streak up the walls and go, there's something in our structure that's not right. And we got to start tearing down the plaster and digging in the walls and, and getting false ideals and false notions and, and strife and, and division and, and the things, the enemy that slithers into our churches and he causes these things. And we got to clean that stuff out. We got to see it. We got to inspect it. We got to purify it. We got to get back to being a household of faith instead of a stronghold of fear. We got to be a household of unity instead of a stronghold of division. That's where America is. That's where the church is. And that's what we have to address today. We have a responsibility. Decisions must be made here and now because of the household of faith. American church needs unity after 2020, the evangelical leaders say in an NAE survey. A National Association of Evangelicals survey found that Christian leaders believe the American church needs unity most after 2020. I've been saying that to you for two years now, but I wanted you to know that across the nation, the NAE during a survey and talking to leaders have asked the question, what is the greatest need for the church today? And they're saying unity. The church needs to come together and get on the same page. And we need to do this for the sake of the world. Decisions must be made in the house of God so that there's hope in the world. The world needs to look at the church and find hope. They need to see us coming together as a household of faith or a household of family and addressing the issues that our nation is facing. Remember the word household means belonging, related, kindred, devoted, belonging to the household of God. That's what it means. We should come together as a household of faith, as a family. There should be the sights and the smells and the sounds of home because this is the year 5782 or the sound of the house. 
We should, as a church, come together here and across the, the nation. We should be a place that's familiar, a place that is safe, where there's that sense of security. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 36, he said, a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Now, I read that to you because I want to make an application here where we are today. That You have to understand that the church is a breeding ground for offense. It's a breeding ground for offense because ministry is so relational. And because it's so relational and because it requires vulnerability, it is a breeding ground for offense. But you also have to understand that you can't be discipled without being in the family. People that give up on church and say, you know what, I've been hurt, I've been offended, I know that, I feel that, my heart goes out to you. But sitting at home and just watching Christian television, you can't be discipled by yourself. That will never happen. Iron sharpens iron, metal against metal, personality against personality. That's how, that's how you really get discipled. Bumping into each other, conflict resolution, if you know that your brother has an offense with you, leave your gift at the altar, go to your brother and be reconciled with him. That's how you become like Jesus. You can't become like Jesus locked in your closet. You got to come out. You got to come out and come to church and deal with God's people. You say, yeah, but I love Jesus. I don't care for his disciples. I get it. But you're going to have to deal with his disciples. You're going to have to deal with them. Peter, James, and John, you got to learn to get along. You're going to have to learn to work it out. That's how we become disciples. That's how we become like Jesus. Conflict resolution, bumping into each other, iron, sharpening iron. That's how we work this stuff out. That's why it's so important that you're connected to a local body of a, a local expression of a universal body. You've got to be a part of something that's bigger than you are. And you've got to butt heads and, and bump into each other and, and, and get into conflict and work it out. That's called family. You have to do it. We've got to work these things out. The, your, your greatest enemies will be those of your own household because it's relational. It's easy to get along with a stranger, mm. but the people that know all your nitty gritty stuff, the people that do life with you, the people that deal with you every day, those are the real enemies. Those are the ones that you struggle with. And it has to happen in the church. Mark 3, 25. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. That's why this today is so important. Because the American church will not stand if the American church doesn't work out its issues. You see, we're so concerned about the enemy without. We're, co we're so concerned about, you know, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And, and we're, we're, you know, right now we're, we're so concerned. And I'm not making light of it. Please, I'm not. No one, please leave your, be, be offended. But right now we're, we're so worried about what the government's going to do to us. We're so worried about what the vaccine's going to do to us. They're going to put a chip in your arm and they're going to track you. Uh, we're so concerned about what this is going to happen to us. And we're so concerned about that happening to us. But we don't see that the true enemy lies within. That we are destroying ourselves by eating our young. That the church turns on itself. 
the mask, no mask, the vaccine, no vaccine, this, that, this political affiliation, that political affiliation. And we're turning upon each other and we're devouring each other. And, we're, and the enemy is sitting back smiling all the time. And we don't get it. We're not getting it. And I'm so concerned as pastors are across the nation that the American church has got to wake up. And we've got to come stand for our convictions, stand for our values, preach the gospel, preach the truth, do this, stand for righteousness. But in standing for our righteousness, let's not lose our righteousness. Let's say it better. And standing for that which is righteous, let us not lose our righteousness. You can do that. We have to be careful that we don't turn upon one another. First Corinthians chapter eight. Now, let me address the issue of food offered to sacrifice and sacrifice to idols. See, we got a, we got a conflict going on. We got a conflict right here. Can you eat food sacrificed to idols or not? You know, they're, they're fussing right now. They're fighting in the church. It seems that everyone believes his own opinion is right on this matter. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. You need to have an opinion. And if you don't have one, you better find one. Or you're going to be swayed by every false doctrine that comes. Okay, you better, you better figure it out. Okay? But you can have an opinion without being opinionated. Okay? Listen, I have, I've, I, look, I respect your opinion, but I value mine own more. I'm going to work it out myself. Let every man work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. And so the last two years, whatever you've tried to navigate through, I respect your opinion, but I value my own. I've told you before that legalism is when you try to impose your preference on me or you try to make your preference my burden. Legalism is your preference becoming my burden. I don't need your burden. I've got my own. Are you with me? Smile at me so you won't, I won't think you're mad at me. Okay, where we're at. We're back. Okay, conflict at Corinth. Okay, how easily we get puffed up over our opinions. And I've seen so much of that over the last two years. Where people within our churches across America became so adamant, so opinionated, that they broke relationship with pastors, church leaders, congregants, churches, family members. Families have been divided over a lot of the nonsense we've seen. So puffed up in our opinions. Leprosy in the house. It has to be inspected. But look at it. What's the answer? But love builds up the structure of our new life. That's the answer. The answer to this is love. The answer to this is love, to love one another. That's why I've said to you now for two years, prefer your brother before yourself. You don't have to agree, but you need to prefer. You don't have to, you don't have to surrender your values, your convictions, your beliefs, or, or what you stand for. But in standing for that which is righteous, don't lose your righteousness. Prefer your brother. Respect your brother. If it offends my brother to eat meat in front of him, I just won't do it. I'll wait till he leaves and I'll eat a Big Mac and then I'm good to go. Love builds up. You see, the answer to the structure of the church in America today is the love of God again. Romans chapter five, the love of God is poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
God's love to where we truly love one another. We're called a household of faith, okay? We're called a household of faith. But what does our house hold? Now, it's a play on words. What does our house hold? Does it hold unity or does it hold strife and division? What does it hold? What is my house holding? Psalms 127, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I don't want to build this house and I don't want to be a watchman on the wall for this city and realize that I wasted my time. We can't build this church here or across America. We can't build this church unless the Lord builds it. That tells me this, the only way you can build the church successfully is to use the blueprints that he has. You can't use your blueprints or mine, gotta use his. That's why I say the originality of Moses' tabernacle is not what he wanted. The splendor of Solomon's temple is not what he chose. He said, I will rebuild the fallen tent of David. Just a brush harbor, just a tent with open sides on the mount 24-7 for 36 years. You could see the ark and you could see the Levites worshiping before it. And God said, that's what I want. I know you're trying to be original. You're trying to be creative. You're trying to be, do things with excellence, which we do here. We try so hard. He said, I know you want things to be done in splendor. He says, I get that. But you got to really, you got to understand what I really want. What I'm after is someone like David who has an abandoned heart with uninhibited worship who just comes before me and that understood my heart. He didn't follow the blueprint that God had that he gave to Moses. Technically, he broke the rule. But David understood what was behind the letter of the law. He understood the spirit of that. And his understanding of that took him to a new dimension of worship that Israel, I'm not sure, got. David and his revelatory knowledge was transported into the future. And he said, this is what God's after. Abandon uninhibited worship. He transported him all the way to the book of Acts where God said there, I will rebuild the fallen down tent of David. And that's not an excuse to break the rules, but it's to reveal the heart of our father. It's what I'm trying to do. He said, that's a man after my heart. That's a man that gets me. He gets me. He just gets me. He knows what I'm after. And so David takes off his clothes. He takes off his kingly robe, if you please. And he begins to dance before the Lord. And his wife, Micah, makes fun of him, who you re realize she becomes barren. So be careful. Be careful what you say. But he worships the Lord with abandoned, uninhibited worship. And God says, that's what I'm after. That's what I'm looking for. Household of faith. The Lord builds the house. This is the key. The Lord builds the house. Oh my. Foundation of apostles and prophets. A structure of living stones, which are you. Living stones being built together to build the house of God. 
the sights and the sounds and the smells of home. That's what we're looking for. Living stones that are coming together to build up the structure on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And this is so important because as I've told you, horizontal connections releases vertical power. Horizontal connections here releases vertical power here. Acts chapter two. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were, they were all with one accord in one place, horizontal connections. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Vertical power comes from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. But let me give you the meaning of this word accord in the Greek. It means to rush along in unison. Unison. Unity, but not uniformity. Aren't you glad that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Aren't you glad that we can maintain our individuality? Aren't you glad that we can be black, white, and brown, male, female? Aren't you glad of that? That, that the church is, is rushing along in unison, but not necessarily uniformity. That we can complement one another. It means a number of notes, while different, sounding together, harmonizing in pitch and tone. As the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master. The Holy Spirit blending the lives of the members of Christ's church. Now, you know where I'm going with that. Each one of your instruments uniquely made. Like a flute, a clarinet, a sax, a trombone. You're all uniquely made. Broken in different places. But it's the unique breaks in that instrument that makes the unique sound. So as Holy Spirit breathes through all of us and it comes out in all of our different broken places, it begins to make a symphonic sound of this symphony that will knock down the walls of Jericho. So you see, we have to learn to celebrate people's brokenness. When someone comes into our house and they're broken, we get excited. Oh, there's a new sound that's coming. You see, when people come in broken and bruised and bleeding, we need to get it that after a time of healing, Holy Spirit's going to fill them and through their brokenness, there's going to be a new sound, a unique sound, an exciting sound that no one else can make. No one else can make that sound like that person. That's why. And comparing yourself, the Bible says, if you compare yourselves to one another, you're foolish. How foolish is for a clarinet and a flute to compete with one another? They're both broken in different places. They're going to each have a different sound, a different function. I don't need to be you and you don't need to be me. We need to celebrate one another and say, wow, you're unique and I celebrate that. And you've got a sound that I can't make. And we come together and we begin to compliment one another as a symphony. That's releasing a symphonic sound. The first step to unlimited possibilities begins with unity. Let me say that again, because we're a church that, that, that's, uh, I'm gonna rephrase it. We're, 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 we're purpose-driven, presence-centered. Let's flip that around. Maybe we'll say purpose-centered, presence-driven. But we are a people that are committed to being presence-driven watching Holy Spirit. We want a move of God. And everybody said, amen. amen. We want move of God. We want revival. That begins. The unlimited possibilities begins with unity. That's where it begins. 
That's why the walls of Jericho are so important for the church today. God told those warriors, men of war, these guys that were ready to, man, they're ready to throw down. He said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to march around it seven times, seven days, blow the trumpet. And I tell you too, these guys are having a hard time because they want to fight. But God's saying, no, you're going to learn self-control. You're going to learn unity. You're going to learn to rush forward in unison. And you're not going to make a sound till I tell you to. But out of their unity, out of their obedience, out of their submission, out of them working together as one came a symphonic sound that knocked down the walls. And that's what we have to learn. That the first step to unlimited possibility, possibilities begins with unity. Acts 1.17. Judas was one of us and had, had his assigned place in this ministry. He must now be replaced. Understand that each individual person is very important. Judas in Acts chapter one had to be replaced before a move of God could come in Acts chapter two. There was an empty chair that had to be filled before revival could come. So I wanna ask you, have you taken your seat in this symphony? Are you filling your chair? Have you picked up your instrument? Are you filled with Holy Spirit? Is the spirit of prophecy flowing through you? Are you spirit-led, spirit-driven? We have to ask the question. Every empty chair had to be filled. And know this. Remember, going back to the definition of a chord, it was as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master. So know this. Only when the orchestra is fully seated does the conductor take the stage. Only... As the orchestra is fully seated, does the conductor, the master, Holy Spirit, walk out on the stage and raise that baton. You've got to take your seat within this symphony. Unified diversity creates unlimited possibilities. That's why we have to come to a place in this year where we come back to the house hold of faith where we have the sights and the sounds and the smells of home the father's house where we say to the city the fathers come home because we've done an inspection we found some things that were wrong and we did a house cleaning and when we do that I'm convinced they will come. Stephen, come help me. So what divided us in 2020 and 2021? The pandemic, race rioting in our streets, the presidential election, the Capitol event on January the 6th. What divided us? After inspection, I have discovered there is a leprous plague in our churches. And I'll give you one example. Now, I know this for a fact. Everyone's looking at me. I just want to give you one example. I know for a fact that in this church, there are people here and our family that got the vaccine because they felt that that was the right decision for them and their family. And I respect that decision. But they're afraid to reveal that. 
And they've kept it a private matter for fear of reprisal, for fear of rejection. They made the decision, it's right for me to get the vaccine, but they're afraid to tell us for fear of reprisal. Now, whether that's true or not doesn't matter. The perception is there. Whether it's reality or not doesn't matter to me. The perception is there. And I know that's true in churches across America where people say, I got the vaccine, Pastor, but I'm afraid to tell anybody. Are we the household of faith? What is our house holding? Into that, we're expecting God to move in America. It's time for an inspection. It's time to have the courage to dig into the walls and to deal with these issues. You see, here's the fact that I've tried to teach us. We can walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. And that's a fact. In Leviticus chapter 14, and our story of the leprous law, it said, but if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house, after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. I want revival to come to America, but I can assure you revival won't come until we heal the plague. I can tell you that the, that the remove of God that we're wanting won't come until we move from a household, excuse me, from a stronghold of division to a household of unity, from a stronghold of fear to a household of faith. And not just faith, I'm believing God to keep me, but a household of faith that says, I prefer my brother. I can honor my brother. You see, we want to use faith as I'm believing God that I'm not going to. Well, okay, that's great. And I'm happy. But does your faith have the ability to cause you also to be gracious and merciful? Everybody wants to be like Jesus and heal the sick. But how many are willing to take time with the prostitute, a harlot that's been rejected by the religious leaders and sit down with her and say, sis, listen, I know what you're doing. I know why you're doing it. And I need you to stop. I got a better plan for your life. I want you to go and sin no more and love her into the kingdom. I want to have faith that calls down the fire of God, but I won't have faith that will lift up a fallen brother. Are you with me? Household of faith. This is communion Sunday. Okay? Guys, I know you're in the back, I know you're ready, but I want you to hold on, hang with me for just a moment. I want to read a scripture over this house and over the churches that are watching us across, across the nation. It's out of Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, and then I'm going to pick up 28, 29, 32. I want you to listen to this, okay? 
I'm winding down. I want you to give me your best here. I want you to hear this, the word of the Lord. Joe chapter two, verse 12. Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart, break open your heart, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to, the, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations would rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? A rending of the heart and a weeping between the porch and the altar. Follow with that, he said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance. And the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. A remnant that is willing to rend their hearts that is willing to deal with their issues. He said, if they will do that, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All my life being in Pentecost, I and others have preached this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And man, we went crazy. We huck and buck and ran and shout and swung from the chandeliers. But we never read the one before that that said, rend your hearts. Turn to me with mourning. We, we, we want the revival, but we don't want the repentance. And you can't have one without the other. So today is Communion Sunday to rend our hearts. And not only for ourselves but for our region, our state, and our nation, for whoever is watching us online, to do identificational repentance and say, Father, forgive us. You say, Pastor, I haven't done anything. I understand. But there are, there's a plague in the church in America, and we need, as pioneers, to repent for that, whether you're guilty or not. We need to repent for that. In preparation for a move of God, let us cleanse our house today through the act of communion and pronounce our household clean. I believe the great physician has come to make a house call. Come on, gentlemen. He's come to make a house call. He wants us to inspect the house, to inspect our hearts. He wants us to rend our hearts. He wants us to turn to him once again so that he can truly bring revival.
Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.